Welcome to another episode of In the Name of Service, a podcast committed to sharing the untold stories of those who selflessly serve. Each episode features an interview with men and women who have been called to a variety of service-focused roles, such as the military, law enforcement, ministry, volunteering, and more. You aren't likely to know the names of the individuals you meet here, but our hope is by the end of our time together, you'll not only know their stories, but possibly be inspired to write your own in some way. Humble in nature, but strong in character, these everyday men and women showcase what it is to truly be a servant. We're glad you're here. Now here's your host, Dr. Barb Thompson. Thank you so much for joining me today for another inspiring episode of In the Name of Service. I'm your host, Dr. Barb Thompson. As a United States Army veteran and operational psychologist, I've spent my career working with military and law enforcement units, conducting in-depth interviews with hundreds of individuals who are hoping to earn their place on high-risk, high-performing teams. In most cases, they've already put in years of grueling physical and mental work just to get a chance to serve and sacrifice more. And that type of selflessness is special and I feel worthy of recognition. While each person's story is unique and every path to service different, their goals are similar to do something more, to be part of something bigger, to make a difference. These difference makers were the catalyst behind this podcast And it is my absolute privilege to share their stories with you. So today, I get to introduce Dr. Graham Danzer. He's a forensic criminal and clinical psychologist. And basically, I will turn it over to you. Uh, Tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Um, So I'll I'll kind of summarize background more quickly. Um, But uh, so I grew up in Northern California. Uh, It was a mostly diverse and primarily African-American neighborhood. I, you know, I think where that's relevant to me being a psychologist is I, I often kind of felt left out. Um, I always looked up to my older brother. Um, he's kind of the best man that you could ever meet. Um, you know, he's very graceful, even when people really aren't asking for it. For um, <laughs> other people, and it was always somebody that I kind of said, you know, if there's if there was somebody out there that I would have to become tomorrow, he would be it. And yeah. You know, and, and so that's always kind of stayed with me. You know, when I'm trying to figure out a, a big career move, he's usually the first person I talk to. When I've had interviews where they've said, look, you can't talk to anybody else about this. This is sensitive. Uh, do you have any questions? You know, you can talk to your folks. Um, I've repeatedly said, can I talk to my brother? Um, because he's more uh, kind of trustworthy in a lot of ways and, and really um, has been a, a big source of inspiration to me um, that, you know, as when I was five years old up until now at 41, um, when I had first started, you know, thinking about really doing anything for anybody besides myself, I wanted to be a police officer. And I went yeah. through the first part of the academy and I was really excited. I really wanted to go out and, you know, it, it sounds a little bit negative, but really to put people that needed to be in jail there. I mean, that really was what I thought would make the world better than when I found it. And I did a ride along. I got what I didn't recognize as probably a, a not necessarily well-supported view of police work. Uh, the guy that I was riding around with said, look, you don't want to do this. You're going to have all these negative outcomes. You, you know, find something else to do with your life. And I took it to heart. And I really, really believed it. Um, and I remember 
you know, looking around for other jobs. I remember the next interview I had after I decided that that person was right. They told me everything I needed to know about law enforcement. And I went into a next interview and it was a totally irrelevant job. The the hiring manager said, why are you here? Why do you want this job? And I said, because I don't want to be a police officer anymore. And, you know, that's really been kind of a, I think, an example of what I think has almost been like the best psychological way that I, I think I've been of service um, is that I'm, you know, honest in a way that I think people often find to be refreshing and without a lot of polishing and in a way that I found has really helped to build uh, trust with people who are distrustful. Um, it's very difficult to do. I found when I've supervised students and when I've done different kinds of trainings that, and I, I think this is probably the reality for all psychologists, it's, it's hard to teach people how to build better relationships with others. Um, you know, there's a way that that comes from within. And I, I guess where I'm going in large part is that the the way that I've gotten there myself, I, I think has been something of a giving back um, that I, I'm really kind of looking for additional ways uh, to do even better uh, throughout the remainder of my career. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about, in a nutshell, what does, because it sounds really cool, forensic, criminal, uh, what, tell us about those parts of your, of your role. The nuts and bolts of what I do is I sit down in a interview room, uh, more frequently with individuals that are accused of more serious crimes. Uh, I unofficially get the lion's share of homicides of higher profile kinds of criminal cases. Uh, the challenge is that I end up having to often talk myself in and out of fairly precarious situations. I have no weapon in there. I have no guards. Um, more significant forms or help of help are about four minutes away. And the goal of the interview is to inform the court as reliably, persuasively, and helpfully as possible about whether the person is more capable of facing their case than they may be letting on. Um, I think yeah. there's an, an undercurrent of that in forensics that we don't always talk about so directly, uh, but that's mm -hmm. really a lot of the times what's wanted out of a forensic and criminal psychologist is to provide, mm -hmm. and that's <laughs> what I'm doing. Um, the, uh, on kind of a side note, that's also what led me to reach out to federal law enforcement for further training. Uh, I felt yeah. like there was an amount of that that was a bit beyond my competency that I developed as a psychologist. Right. Uh, when I was a psychologist and I said, hey, I would like to hear your guys' opinions. I'm sitting down in a room with much larger, fairly intimidating, often scary individuals that are accused of homicides, prison gang members, and so on. Um, I've been asked to counsel somebody into giving me razor blades. I've been asked to kind of get between a couple of people that were both much physically larger than me. And how would you psychologists go at this? Uh, the most common answer that I've been given is I would quit. And yeah. it made me, to be blunt, disillusioned with the field um, because right. my immediate reaction was, uh, you know, how do I, how can I do this? There's got to be a way that I can do this helpfully and to make right. situations more safe. And the intuitive answer that came to me was maybe I need to get some help outside of psychology. Yeah. Um, so yeah. federal law enforcement, I frankly bothered them repeatedly until they <laughs> I think I happened to get somebody who was a bit more receptive. Um, I was able to, uh, do some additional training there that's been really helpful. And I think the best mm -hmm. thing that came out of it is that I started to develop 
a rekindled interest in law enforcement. Um, you know, I'm not so entirely sure that I want to remain a psychologist anymore entirely. I reached yeah. out to departments. And so this podcast is really going to be, um, it's, it's coming at a good kind of uh, fork in the road for me career-wise. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Um, you know, when, when you and I had talked initially, I was a little bit shocked that that you weren't or that there was no kind of structure to better prepare you for the work ahead of you. And I completely yeah. understand your frustration as, you know, a military psychologist. I felt that they did prepare us pretty well. Um, you, you kind of had to uh, go into it with the acknowledgement that you might be shunned from part of the um, traditional uh, path, I guess, for psychologists, because maybe they didn't understand it or, or have as much experience or intuition in that specific realm. Um, and know that you were arming yourself with the best information and education that you could to be as effective because what you're doing is important. What you're doing needs to be done. So um, I applaud you for that and completely understand your frustration. What initially led you to be a psychologist? Because we kind of heard, right, like, you wanted to be a police officer and then you were like, not anymore. But then psychologist seems far from, I think for the most part, or, or to the average individual, it seems kind of far from uh, being a police officer. So how'd yeah. that come about? Um, it was, it was, kind, there was kind of an organic process. Um, when I was, uh, you know, shortly after getting disillusioned with being an officer, I went back to school. I completed a, a master of social work program, and I worked as a social worker for a while. Uh, I got really interested after a few years in the idea of psychological testing. That's yes. really what I go back to school and to want to be a psychologist, is I, yeah. I wanted to develop that competency. And as I was going through that process... Um, you know, sometimes there's a way that you just, you kind of, you kind of find and mentors find you, you yes. know, it just, it mechanically. And uh, I ended up at a psychiatric hospital where there was a bit of a bridge between legalities and clinical work, of, you know, really being there against their will rather than walking into an office and wanting to talk about their feelings. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of backtracking a minute that something that, made me more interested in law enforcement in the beginning and that's come back more recently as well is the opportunity to be involved in helping to figure out essentially who gets mercy and who gets justice um, and that mm -hmm. there's some moral process of separating the two and that was really the kind of bigger existential issue that I wanted to be involved in um, is you know figuring out what science is out there that would help decide, you know, who do we punish and who do we give a break to? And, you know, there's there's a lot of that that's probably more personal. Our decisions uh, probably tell the rest of the world as much about us as the person on the receiving end. But I, I wanted to find out if there was a way that I could be a helpful piece of that arbitration. Right, right. That's huge. I mean, it's people's lives are hanging in the balance. So that is a very big responsibility. How did you get into um, the setting you're currently in? I mean, you said there was kind of, there's probably some kind of characteristic about you that, that maybe other psychologists um, don't have or aren't attracted to. Mm. Um, when I 
had finished up, I had done my lab, I, uh, through much of the program, I really wanted to work in forensics, I think because it had a connection to the legal system and, you know, arbitrating what would happen with people's lives in the way you mentioned. And when I had, and th there was kind of a stroke of luck here in a way, uh, before I had started applying for postdocs, I had been doing a lot of my own research. I had done a fair amount of publishing on my own. And just by coincidence, one of the papers that I'd been working on was a uh, paper that was on uh, competency restoration and where do you mm. treat your incompetent and trying to get them fit for prosecution, essentially. And mm -hmm. one I interviewed at was where I work now. Uh, the core focus of the whole institution really is competency restoration. And when they started at, I didn't realize this at the time, but when they were asking me questions related to what do you know about competency? What do you know about related legalities? I was a walking dictionary and it was not, <laughs> you know, and I would I'd love to take credit and say, I was getting very prepared for the interview. I, I did my homework and that, that I was the prime candidate, but it wasn't, it was really luck. I just happened to get interested in that and apply. Right, for right. And, you know, looking back on it, I must've had comparatively better knowledge than a lot of the other postdoc candidates, just from going through a lot of other research material and really having a lot of kind of book knowledge, which, you know, is, it's not the whole picture, but it was helpful. Um, right. When I, Started, I had started in a lower security kind of setting, uh, but I was really excited about it. Um, I really wanted, I, I, it kind of felt to me like a chance to actualize upon a lot of my earlier goals. Um, and so mm -hmm. I came in and I here to really to do as much as possible to be helpful. One thing kind of, I think just mainly based on the motivation and wanting to have a more challenging job, I eventually moved down to a higher security setting. and. Over time, my jobs really developed in the way of more do other duties as assigned, you know, like at the end of a, at your job, <laughs> all included category. And that's where a lot of my work has increasingly become more involved. Um, there's There's been more of that and in a way that's that's been um, increasingly motivating. Interesting. Well, I was going to ask a different question until you said increasingly motivating. And now I'm curious about that. So what about it is is motivating for you specifically? The part of my job that I really like is there's a very high level of scrutiny. And um, essentially that when I'm assigned most of the people I would say that I work with, uh, they've become increasingly more complicated and potentially dangerous than the individuals that I worked with earlier on. And I found that the uh, complexity and the scrutiny, you know, when I have to go to court and testify about what I think about people, uh, has helped me over time to be a better psychologist. Um, it's yeah, been, yeah. Uh, try to pursue board certification. I'm in the process of trying to become board certified. And uh, I, I found that generally that uh, higher level of rigor has really been reinforcing um, in the yeah. sense learn from, you know, when you're kind of pushing yourself, you often don't get exactly what you want right away. And <laughs> depending on how you receive that, it can be ultimately for your betterment, uh, you know, to figure right. out, you know, where mistakes that I made, are these mistakes made in common, or is this something that I've done repeatedly in the past? 
And, you know, it's really the issue that I, you know, I did not have the outcome I wanted because I really wasn't paying attention to myself. And that in turn, that kind of general process of development usually has its dividends over time, I found. For sure. Yes. Well, from an outsider looking in, you've already described um, very difficult and challenging circumstances and even, um, well, situations such as being kind of like an N of one, uh, not a lot of people kind of end the trenches with you. But I would like to know from your perspective, what what has been the most difficult or challenging thing circumstance, I don't even know, obstacle um, during your career so far? Uh, the the thing that's been more difficult for me, especially over the last few years, is that, and this may be, like you said, it's, um, you know, that there's probably a, a, a different level of motivation, I would think, for military psychologists. I've never served in the military, but from what you've said, I would, I would think that. Um, but in, in the last few years, I've experienced uh, much of the field being a lot more to, to be frank, self-interested rather than, yeah. you know, how I work, make things better for everyone. And what can right. I do better? What can I do more? And that's our obligation. Um, you know, like, I mean, this, I won't go on and on about the history, but psychology was never about, um, you know, kind of sitting down in a chair and Graham taking care of Graham. It was supposed right. to be, um, you know, Figuring out how to, you know, in the beginning, um, you know, contributing to the world war efforts, um, you know, tell me how you can use me, right? And yes. I, I, I do not feel like in my fields that there is even general acceptance of that. Um, it's, it's really an anomaly. And so, and there, there's a part of this that I'm sure that is distorted, but I often feel on an emotional right. level, uh, right? I am here, and it's yes. really one of the inspired me to look back at law enforcement based on what may be an assumption that that kind of gung-ho-ness may be more in law enforcement than in psychology, because I, I don't. I, I do not experience that in psychology, and it, it makes for a loneliness. It's, and, it does, and it's kind yeah. of for me. How do you deal with that? Obviously, you're performing well um, at work, your motivation is beyond just a, like a job. Like you, you truly believe that your work is necessary to solve big problems in the world, um, to make the world a better place, essentially. Um, so your motivation is strong, but how do you combat um, the loneliness that can come in a position like yours? while you're alone, there are other people listening that are also the end, end of one, right? Whether it's um, professionally or personality, um, you know, so they're feeling similar feelings, even though their situation might be different. How do you combat that daily? Um, what I found consistently throughout the the recent history that's been very helpful is to reach out and find new mentors and new places to do training and to learn and to, in a way, start over. Uh, one of the right. things that I was excited about when I uh, kept bothering the Federal Law Enforcement Training Center, and they eventually said, let's have a conversation. What do you want and who are you? Kind of, And it was, it, was, it was very pleasant. You know, I expected to be pushed out the door, like, get out of here. Who are you? What do you stop bothering us? 
I, I really kind of intrinsically felt that way. It was very much the opposite. And um, what was really exciting for me and that kept the, my spirits going is that it was a chance to start over and to say, you know, I am, you know, I'm, I'm for all intents and purposes, fairly ignorant here. Um, you know, I have very little relevant training. And just by being around here and talking and listening and relationship, relationshiping, I'm going to get a lot out of that. Uh, one right. of the things I that uh, got a big kind of, and it, it was more of a positive reaction than I realized at the time was I said, you know, if I get law enforcement training, I'm going to end up a better psychologist. Yes. And I've found in that way uh, that when I'm not getting what makes things better from where I am, uh, really to go somewhere else. And, yeah. uh, you know, when I had done the, the, training in different disciplines, I was thinking that this would be a resume builder. This would be a good, you know, diversification of my skill set. Uh, but now it's, it's really, a, there's a value in and of itself. Um, they, they've done much more to help me than I could ever ask them for. Uh, but really <laughs> just being a part of it is more than enough. Um, yes. You know, yes. let me buy a couple of shirts from the store and I was really proud to wear it home. I mean, it really right. wasn't like a, a tourist kind of thing. I felt like I was, you know, almost like I would think in a military kind of way. I, I felt like I had a piece of You're, being a part of bigger than me. That's right. Yeah. 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 And, and, you know, and, and I, I realize I'm a bit trashing on the field, but I do not feel like there's enough of that to my satisfaction in my fields of psychology. It's a lot mm -hmm. more task focused. Um, I should be, I should be extra taking care of my mental health. I should not push myself too hard. Um, you know, those that I answer to should, should not push me either. And, <laughs> right. and I, I, I don't have that. It's, you know, I, I want my job boss. I want my job to get more difficult. Um, I would like it to be more risky. And if you can think of things that are beyond what you think I'm capable of, what can I do to earn a chance to show you what yes. I've got? Yes. I, I, this is so exciting. I mean, I've heard this, Graham, um, like for years, you know, in my interviews, when when men and women come to, uh, you know, some kind of special operations command, and they want to assess uh, and, and try to be selected for those units, like I hear this, I hear like, the frustration and the dissatisfaction, the the want and the desire for challenge. And so I think it's really inspiring yeah. for us listening to you to say like, Oh, good, I'm not alone in that in that drive, you know. Um, and I agree. I think, um, that you have a very unique training. Like there's not, um, they don't have the time or interest probably, uh, many folks in law enforcement to have um, all of the knowledge that you have collected over time, right? And so you're an asset to that population. And now what you're finding is they're absolutely an asset to you. And I have, I had a similar experience um, working with, uh, for or in the military, you know, you go to these trainings, like um, they sent me when I deployed to Gitmo, they sent me to an FBI course. And it was fun. You know, I was the only psychologist in the room. Um, and we were doing uh, like crisis negotiations. So you get to play out right with vehicles and uh, 
fake weapons and all these all these kinds of ways to de-escalate the situation and talk through. And I learned a lot and I had so much fun. And I think that we're better when we come together, right? Like, yeah, does, yeah, for sure. So I can see how that that would help you get through day to day. So, um, what are some characteristics? If there are people out there who are like, well, I'm interested in psychology. I never thought. Like, so for example, when I went into psychology, I never imagined I would end up doing what I did, but man, was it like the, it was better than I could have imagined. So if there are Hmm. some people out there and they're like, well, I've always wanted to go into psychology, but it it seems a little like lame, you know, Um, now knowing that they can mix a lot of different things and be effective and um, helpful to a lot of different communities, what would you say are some of the characteristics that might be successful in a line of work like yours, if there are people out there who are drawn towards psychology um, and want to kind of take some extra steps to, to do some of the riskier work? What what might they need? The, the thing that I did and developed over time that I'm not so sure is as easily transferable mm-hmm. to invest a lot of time in really doing better um, after and, and and finding ways to become more competent and not assuming yeah. that I've got what it takes to yes. help as effectively as possible. Uh, right. As an example, um, after I finished my master's program, I reached out to a uh, it's essentially a, a longer term depth therapy program. Uh, everybody who was in there, I didn't realize this at the time, but they were 60 and 70 year old women who had been doing therapy for 30, 40 years. And they really knew damn near everything about depth kind of Freudian blank slate kind of therapy. I interviewed there. I was really excited. I said, you know, I want to learn to work with people better in the long term. They said, we're not so sure you're going to fit in here. We're a small school. <laughs> important. Um, we all, we've all known each other for a long time, blah, blah, blah. And what do you think about it? My response was, you know, we may not hang out on Friday night, but with respect, that's not why I'm here. This is not a social initiation. This is for my development. I want to borrow from what you have and learn. Right. And Right. What do you say? And I, I, and I, and it, maybe I'm kind of over generalizing. I have not found that kind of okay. I, I don't have it all figured out, so I'm going to give up a lot of my life to mend those areas of deficiency. Yeah, I have found doing that has helped me to optimize as a psychologist and really kind of as a helping person in general. Um, mm-hmm. So that what I would you know, it's not a very kind of popular idea, but work harder, read more. Right. Yeah. You know, do more than you have to. It's not always easy. There's a lot of sacrifice involved. What I felt like, reluctant to say this for fear of sounding like an egomaniac, but I felt like when I got out of school and I had to start testifying in court, I was a lot more ready than I might have been otherwise. Uh, If I had just gone through school and you know, spent my time kind of playing hacky sack in the quad rather than writing all the papers that I did and, and doing all the research that went into it, I would have been a lot less prepared. And I 
I think that there's a real benefit to over-preparation in the way that I've read about in a lot of the special operations literature, you know, that doing things over and over again and looking for, you know, lessons learned uh, right. has a way essentially helping you to get out ahead of problems that you might have otherwise. Exactly. And I would say, even though I don't expect it to be popular, that a lot of that instruction that says this is how you be a good special operator that's written about does not apply to psychology as much as it should. Right. That, 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 um, if there was some way that we could train that way uh, in terms of how do we make this better, <laughs> be more effective. Uh, I think there would be a lot less squabbling about things that aren't so important. And we would live up to the mission, which is really to be helpful to the individual, uh, but also to be helpful to the world in general. Yeah. Yeah. You're in good company here <laughs> because, um, yeah, every individual on here is, they have the drive and the desire to do something and bigger than themselves to impact the world in a way um, that uh, maybe not everyone around them feels right that call to do that so um it does it takes it takes more and it takes more of you but it's it's highly rewarding like you mentioned you know at the beginning of our conversation so um how has you've mentioned the cross training with law enforcement officers um how has that been beneficial to you and the people that you currently serve there were the the trainings that i mentioned uh to Fletzi that I really wanted to attend were related to, in a broader sense, how do law enforcement officers interview people? How do they go into it? How are they thinking about what they see and hear? Right. And what I was wanting to listen for in anticipation, you know, when I was going in and what I wanted to try to pick up on is, is there a between group difference? Is there a way that law enforcement goes into the same, what would appear to be the same conversation differently? And is there a way that I can borrow from that so that when I'm sitting down in a room without a gun, without a baton, without anything like that, and, you know, security related help is four minutes away, if I get into trouble, if I have somebody saying, you know, listen, um, you don't believe me that I'm mentally ill. And if you go say that in court, this is what I'm going to do in return. Is there a way that law enforcement would think about and respond to that within the limits of our ethics? that I would want to borrow from. Uh, I think where it's, it's been more kind of broadly helpful um, has really been to, now that I'm thinking about it, really to build my confidence and to lessen mm -hmm. the kind of anxiety and to feel like, you know, I, I probably am a, a, a lot more capable in those ways than I often assume in the worst of moments. Um, one of the things that was really kind of surprising, but uh, for me, that was touching uh, after I did a, number of the training when I went to the uh, law enforcement training center, they asked me to come back and to basically teach on different subjects that I have more expertise in, uh, including psychopathy and malingering and uh, some of the kind of uh, bridge topics that are really at an intersection between psychology and law enforcement that we both have a lot of contact with and often don't have great experiences in interviewing. And uh, I was uh, kind of surprised. I was like, you know, I didn't come here. I actually start each class that I teach by saying this, you know, I'm glad to be here, but you guys should know I came here to learn, not to teach. 
Um, so this is an experience. Um, and I think just kind of having that series of events, it's led me to go back into the work that I have with people who are very dangerous, often uh, have every incentive to be uncooperative and to be essentially to present as unstable and to go in those circumstances with a lot more confidence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And let's, let's see, let's say that you could kind of line up a pipeline for uh, psychologists or psychologists in training that want to go into fields that support law enforcement, military, et cetera. Um, how might you, well, warn or prepare someone wanting to serve in similar populations? Um, do you feel like there's either specific or general guidance, you know, you could give towards that path? I know in the military, we have, uh, especially within the last 10 years or so, been very deliberate about a, a pipeline of training for psychologists clinical psychologists who want to go into kind of op more operational um, pursuits. But what might, with all of your experience, how might you set that up for someone? If I could quarterback the, the larger kind of effort on this, uh, I would require law enforcement training for forensic psychologists um, that we would actually have to complete and not just kind of riding along and being somewhat of a spectator, uh, but actually having some requirement to get our hands dirty, um, yeah. and more so, um, because I think that we would be more appreciative of the reality of many of the challenges in law enforcement, uh, where there's a need to make much quicker decisions than I think is typical in most of psychology. Uh, yes. you know, yeah, we have, we For have to sure. make decisions. Yeah. Um, you know, and not just uh, when we're when we're interviewing people, we have to figure out what we're going to say and when we're going to restrain and just let them keep talking. Uh, but there's not as typically such an immediate kind of safety issue. Right. And there's probably not a way to simulate that knowledge that's effective, I wouldn't think. Um, you know, for example, when I've uh, interviewed for uh, positions that were more related to assessment and selection and they kind of the idea was, you know, how are you going to go about making sure that you're making good choices? Uh, I said, well, I would have to do it first. And then I would understand the stress demand. I would understand the cognitive load. Uh, I would have a more direct basis to figure out how was this for me in relation to how it is likely to be for others, uh, not only mm -hmm. based on my experience, but uh, parallels between that experience and what's most consistently found in research studies. But without the more direct experience, um, there, there's going to be a limitation on the essentially the potency of our recommendations. And in turn, a what I would expect is to be a much higher level of error. And I have just oh. one more question for you. Yeah, I, 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 I <laughs> like... Um. If there's someone listening today, they feel um, that urge like you, like that drive to do something, you know, maybe bigger than themselves, like a call to serve somewhere, but they're not quite sure where or how to get started. What, what might be your advice for them? The thing that was the most helpful for me was to pay attention to 
the, the really the people out there that had written or done things that really kind of spoke to me. Um, yeah. And, you know, I don't know that this happens so often, but when I'll, when I'll read something that was really good and I notice that there's a second and third article by a, a psychologist or, you know, somebody else in another field that I really like, I often will reach out to them via email or on LinkedIn and say, hi, I don't know you, but, <laughs> and you could probably be a big help to me just by talking to me. What do you think? Yeah. And I found probably about three out of 10 will say yes. And yeah. it's, always, it's always been a huge help. Um, I, I'm thinking of, you know, I, I've, uh, I've talked to Dr. Stahl a number of times on the phone. I reached out in that way. He's been extraordinarily helpful every time. Um, but I, yeah. would, I would say, you know, for me, what's been helpful is to really to not feel intimidated by reaching out to somebody who uh, has done great things and I might feel is far beyond where I am. Uh, but just to to reach out and to say, this is what's on my mind. What do you think? Right. Uh, and about all kinds of things, uh, career stuff, research projects. I want to do this in my work. This is where I'm getting pissed off about my lack of preferred progress. Uh, what do you think? And that has been extraordinarily helpful. Yeah, I love that. Um, and every single person I know I've had on here has has been super open to other people doing that to them, right? Like, if you have any questions, please reach out to me. So I know that it's true that yeah. um, ex experts in their field are excited to to mentor. Like you said, not not all of them, but many of them are excited um, to 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 mentor and to talk about it, right? And to keep that flow of knowledge going, to keep the interest going, and so. I think that's excellent advice. Yeah. Well, I wanted to thank you for your time today and, and thank you for everything that you've done um, for and in your career career field so far. Uh, I know that you've made a lot of great contributions and, um, you know, and that is a unique thing, like you said, that, that someone would have the drive to go, especially a psychologist, into a situation or a career that is somewhat risky. So thank you for, for your service. And thank you for your time today. Thanks for having me. Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining us for another incredible episode of In the Name of Service. If you enjoyed today's episode, please like and subscribe. And of course, feel free to share with those you feel would like to be inspired. Have a difference maker in your life that you'd like to see featured? Reach out to Dr. Barb Thompson at in the name of service at gmail.com. We'll see you next time.